0: Because it has been talked about for so long and hasn't happened yet, many, especially people in the younger generation, are questioning whether the second coming of Jesus Christ will even happen at all. Well, we will discuss the second coming of Jesus Christ on this edition of the End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. I've read a few articles lately that, especially people in the younger generation that have come up through church that have heard their parents all these years talk about a second coming of Jesus Christ, but they haven't seen it yet. And so they're they're questioning, will that even happen at all? Well, I can tell you, it absolutely is going to happen because the events that are immediately preceding that, we're going through all of them, overwatching precursors to every single one. So I wanted to talk to you about it today, especially uh, if you don't really understand how to explain it to your uh, a, young, a person in the younger generation. Because we want to make sure that they have a sense of urgency in them as well. You say, well, they're only 20 years old, why do they need a sense of urgency? They need to be preparing for that soon second coming because none of us are promised tomorrow. That's part of all of this. Is, that's the main part is preparation. What do I need to be doing in preparation for this very important event? And, you know, the, the Apostle Peter talked about this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. He said, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. They'll be walking after their own lust, and they're saying, what, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all these things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, I'm not calling everybody who questions a second coming a scoffer. But I am saying that it is concerning to me when some of the younger generation coming up, kids that are in church are questioning, well, my parents have talked about this their whole life, my grandparents talked about this second coming and it hasn't happened. It may never happen. That's a dangerous thought and so that's what I want to talk about today I want to explain it to you so you can explain it to your children because folks this is going to happen in the very near future you say well Dave you're just sensationalizing things trying to get me scared so I can you know uh, I'll uh, keep watching you guys No, that's not what I'm trying to do our goal here is to prepare you for the second coming of Jesus Christ when the Lord will come back, plant his feet upon the Mount of Olives. He, prior to that, he's going to send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet to gather his elect. When that trumpet sounds, all everybody listening to me, your feet needs to leave the ground. If that does not happen, you got a problem. And so we want to talk about it, right? I want you to be able to explain it to the younger generation. And if you're questioning, I want you to know the Bible is very clear on this. So, uh, well, you know, how do we start this conversation? Really, the entirety of the Bible centers around two main events. You have the first coming and the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Now, of course, then you have the great white throne of judgment when we enter into eternity, but I'm talking about as mortals here. The first and second coming of Jesus Christ. And at his first coming, Jesus came to purchase a plan. God manifest in a fleshly form. Jesus came to purchase a plan of salvation which would allow human beings to spend eternity with him as immortals. And this was accomplished at Calvary, when Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. The redemption plan is called being born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, uh, verse 3, that anyone who was not born again would not make it to heaven. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, at his second coming, Jesus Christ will return to the earth to take those individuals who have been born again to be with him. And then we, who have been born again, will reign as kings and priests with Jesus Christ in that 1,000 year millennial reign in his physical kingdom here on the earth. We will rule over mortals that have been allowed to live into the millennial reign. Now, most people would acknowledge that Jesus did come 2,000 years ago. Now, not, not everybody, but I'm saying most people, they do acknowledge Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And many really have a decent grasp of the events that occurred during his life here on the earth. There's historical accounts, there's many books, there's things There's all kinds of things you can read. But having ministered here at End Time Ministries for several years, I have found that the opposite is true when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Some people just can't wrap their mind around that. And opinions range far and wide concerning many aspects of this future, um, let's say a mystical event. And even though the second coming is foretold many places throughout the Bible, some are questioning whether it will even occur at all. And to me, that's a dangerous position to be in because if you don't think it's going to occur, then why prepare for it, right? But we all should be preparing ourselves spiritually for that soon return of Jesus Christ. So I can tell you, with an understanding of the scriptures, as sure as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, Jesus Christ is coming to earth a second time. It's prophesied over and over in the Word of God, and the Bible prophecies always come to pass. So what I'm going to do in the remainder of the program is to go through many of these prophecies about the second coming so that you can help people understand. That you can, number one, grasp it for yourself if you're questioning, and you can help others understand that this is coming. Because really, for all of us that are living right now in 2023, this is the most important prophecy that we need to be concerned with. I'm I'm more concerned about this prophecy Then the battle of Armageddon, the mark of the beast, the antichrist, the world government, world religion, any of that. I'm preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ, and we're getting as many people as we can prepared for that. That's what we're doing here at End Time Ministries. And so we'll get deep into the second coming prophecies on the other side of the break. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is.
1: End time is not going anywhere. <laughs>
0: Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com/future or call 800 Endtime. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the end of the age television and radio programs is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call one 800 end or visit endtime.com slash events for more
2: information.
0: welcome back everybody and I got a quick announcement I'm gonna be doing we had a great prophecy conference first prophecy conference of the year here in Garland Texas we had a wonderful prophecy conference signed up tons of Bible studies and so very thankful for that this coming weekend I will be down in north uh, the north side of Houston I'll be at pastor David Foss's church in Bethel Tabernacle uh, 1020 FM 1960 East in Houston the, and uh, this coming Saturday January 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. I'll be teaching the new lesson understanding the end time <clears throat> and Sunday morning from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'll be teaching breaking prophecy news and I went through that this weekend it was a great lesson and so I'm very thankful that we can understand the times what we're going through I'm gonna go through news clip after news clip showing you what's going on some of these things you have not heard about on the radio And so uh, hopefully you will enjoy the conference, look forward to seeing you in Houston. If you need more information on that, endtime.com, the events tab, and then conferences. All the information is there, maps, phone numbers, how to get you to the conference. Conferences are free, there's no charge at all. Uh, It's first-come, first-served seating though. And so sometimes these things get a little crowded. So I have always had for the last, I don't know, couple decades now, we've had great conferences down in Houston and looking forward to another one this coming weekend. Now, back to second coming. Let's go through some of the prophecies about the second coming because you've got to understand this stuff, folks. This is the most important event that's facing us in the near future. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven. He had just been crucified. He spent three days and three nights in the grave and he rose from the dead. For 40 days, he had shown himself alive by appearing to many people at different times. At one time, he appeared to a crowd of 500 people. And so these these, um, appearances provided infallible proof that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. Well, after these 40 days, Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives, to give them his final instructions before leaving earth. And he told them don't go back to Galilee you're going to go to Jerusalem and stay there until you become come endued with power from on high. And many of these guys were from Galilee which was about uh, what's it maybe I don't know hundred miles north of there, north of uh, Jerusalem. So they could have gone home but he wanted them to go back into Jerusalem because While they were there, he was going to empower them and baptize them with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2 is the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's what we're talking about here, this time frame. I'm in Acts chapter 1 now. So he told them that they needed the Holy Ghost to have power to fulfill his commission. And he said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So after giving these final instructions, he lifted his hands, blessed them, and he suddenly ascended up into heaven. The Bible says a cloud received him out of their sight. While the disciples stood staring up into the sky, two men in white apparel stood by them. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, it says that these messengers said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So this was um, the promise that Jesus was given, that the disciples were given, that Jesus would return to the earth. The disciples, however, had no idea that it would take 2,000 years for the promise to be fulfilled. And though it has not happened yet, it has it's already been close to 2,000 years since it was given, and folks, let me tell you, that event will happen. If you can believe Jesus was here the first time, the same Bible that tells us that lets us know that he's coming back a second time. So the promise of Jesus' return is firm. He is coming again. So it's imperative for us to understand as we study the second coming that it will not be like the first coming. Jesus knew as the time for his return drew closer that people would claim to be the Messiah and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And this is in fact a frequent occurrence that we see now. But to keep us from being deceived by these false claims, hey, he's in Rome, or there's a a, a Jewish individual in Jerusalem that's claiming to be the Messiah, or uh, Sun Myung Moon over the old Mooney movement, he's claiming to be the Messiah. Jesus said, you're going to see those things. But he said, those are false claims. In Matthew 24, he warns about that many times. But we have been given specific instructions about what the second coming will actually be like. This time, a baby will not be born in a stable and found lying in a manger. It's not going to happen like it did the first time. Jesus is not going to slip in the back door and show up mysteriously. Matthew 24, verse 23 through 26 says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders inasmuch that if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect behold I have told you before wherefore if they shall say unto you behold he's in the desert or don't go forth behold he's in this secret chamber he's over here in this country no no don't believe that Jesus warned against that kind of stuff so why are we not to believe that well Matthew 24 27 Jesus said For as the lightning comes out of the east and flashes all the way into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus instructed them, don't pay attention to any of the false messiahs that are here or there. Many believe that the the Muslim Messiah is coming in and is called the 12th Imam or or the Mahdi. Jesus instructs for us not to pay any attention to those claims. When Jesus returns, there will be lightning flashes from the east to the west, and he will come in the clouds of heaven. It's going to be a very dramatic event. He will show up in the skies of heaven where every eye will see him. That's found in Revelation 1:7. Every eye will behold him. You need to teach this to your children, the teenagers, the younger generation coming up. The Bible says, train up a child in a way that it should go, and he will not depart from it. He or she. And so we want to make sure we're teaching the younger generation, Jesus Christ is coming back, and you need to prepare yourself for that day. Yes, get an education. Yes, get a job. Make money. Support your family. Occupy till he comes. But in the very near future, Jesus Christ is, in fact, coming back, and we need to prepare for that day. How did Jesus Christ tell Nicodemus to prepare? Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again or you can't enter or see the kingdom of God. At his second coming is when that transition occurs from the human governments, that's all going to be done away with, and we will enter into the millennial reign when Jesus Christ will establish his kingdom here on the earth. I have to become immortal at that point so I can rule and reign as a kings and priest with him in that 1,000 year millennial reign. I do that, I prepare for that by being born again and living as a Christian the rest of the days of my life until that occurs, or should the Lord tarry that I'm called home at some point? Now that's the essence of all of this that we do here at End Time Ministries, is to prepare you for that. We're using current events to show you how these things are coming to pass right now, and we're just prior to that event occurring. Now, back to Jesus in Matthew 24, 29-31. A lot of people get the timing of this stuff wrong because of the, the traditional teachings and books that have been written and so much. Believe me, I've been through just about all of it. Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of these days, of those days. He's into all of it discourse here. He's talking about the, the sign of his coming and of the end of this age. When he would come back, his second coming, he said there's going to be a tribulation. He told about that in Matthew twenty four twenty one. And he he said there's going to be a tribulation in the future. And then he said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect, from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. This is the rapture. When will it occur? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, to me it's really simple. A lot of people like to complicate all kinds of different things and the timing and all this other. Jesus said it's immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now there's a plethora of other scriptures that prove the timing of all of this. We're not going to spend time on that today. I want to spend time on his second coming Because there are more and more people believing that he's simply not going to come back. So when Jesus returns, every eye will see him. He will send his angels to gather his elect. Matthew 24, verse 40 says uh, this about his second coming. Two shall be in a field. One's going to be taken, the other left. Imagine what it's going to be like working alongside somebody, or just riding beside somebody in a vehicle or something, talking to someone who just suddenly disappears. Think about that. The Bible says that's going to happen. The people in these verses are depicted as, they they were participating in activities that were common for that time, and Jesus spoke like that. But it is used as an example to explain that people will be living out their daily lives, doing normal things when Jesus returns to the earth. Luke 17 says that two people will be in a bed one taken the other left. Maybe the the wife is taken and the husband is left or the husband's taken and the wife is left. The husband or wife decided not to get to serve God or to be born again and didn't want anything to do with God and somebody had got the revelation and done it and one of their mates is taken and the other is left. The Bible says this will happen. I know it's not talked about much in churches anymore because nobody wants to have a oh moment in a church but the fact of the matter is this is the absolute truth of the Word of God. It, 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 if you're born again it's going to be a marvelous moment for those who are taken but it's going to be the scariest moment in your life by far for those that are left behind especially those who have been told about, but had not heeded and obeyed the gospel. People that rejected the gospel. I don't ever want to be in that position. And there are movies that have been made called Left Behind, but they're talking about the rapture happening and then people getting a revelation and saying, Hey, what just happened? Well, I probably ought to get ready at this point. You do not want to be in the position where you are left behind. That's giving people false hope. Certainly don't want to do that. The fact of the matter is, you need to be born again, so when that rapture happens, you go. You say, wow, Dave, there's a gravity to this situation. You absolutely better believe there is. And we want to make sure that you're ready to go. The Apostle Paul teaches about The rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says, But I would not, brethren, uh, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. The Bible often refers to people who were saved and then died as being asleep. Because for believers, death was considered temporary. Paul continues and he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus or are dead in Jesus, those that have been born again but passed away, uh, Irvin Baxter would be case in point. The Bible says, will God bring with him? Paul was saying that those who believe Jesus died and rose again, who die in Jesus and have the spirit of Jesus, they've been born again, will be brought forth from the grave like Jesus was, and then Paul continues in 1 Thessalonians four fifteen through 16. He says, For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. The second coming of Jesus will be an unbelievably dramatic event. And verse 16 continues on and says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then verse 17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So Christians who are alive on the earth at the time of the second coming, once the dead in Christ have risen, we will rise together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Now, I want to to clear something up here. This is very, very important. There's some teaching that a rapture happens first, then there's a seven-year period, and then the second coming occurs. But that is a misinterpretation of Scripture. And so, according to Jesus in Matthew 24, the church will be here all the way through... And then the rapture will occur at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It is one event. We're all gathered together unto Him. We have the marriage of the supper of the Lamb in the sky. And then we go straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. And so we want to get all these things right because we're preparing for these events. We're being born again. We're living as Christians. So we're ready for the second coming
1: Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
0: If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the Watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the Archive button. You know, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul <clears throat> spent a lot of time on the second coming and talking about end time events. Paul goes on to explain in one Corinthians fifteen fifty one through fifty four. In the beginning of one Corinthians fifteen one through four, he gives the gospel, the way that uh, a way that um, the death, the good news that Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again, and then in the end of the chapter here he talks about his second coming. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery or a a secret. We shall not all sleep. Not all people are going to die. People who serve Jesus will be alive when, there will be some people who serve Jesus that will be alive when Jesus returns. Paul continues and he says, But we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Many teach that those who serve the Lord will simply disappear at the last trump. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says, we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Verse 52 says, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be, ri- shall be raised incorruptible. Which means the dead will be given mortal, bo- or immortal bodies and we that are alive and remain shall be changed. Paul continues in verse uh, 53, For this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, the inability to die. You're, you're going to be turned into an immortal human being, like Jesus was when he rose from the dead. The Latin word morto means to die. So to be mortal means to, to have the ability to die. But to put on immortality, a new body, that cannot die is what we will enter into the 1,000 year millennial reign with when we're raptured. Then verse 54 says, then shall we be brought, uh, shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So when the last trumpet sounds, the bodies of those still alive will be changed in a moment from mortal to immortal. And then we are caught up Our feet will leave the ground, just like Jesus did from the Mount of Olives. And those uh, that are dead in Christ will rise. Then those who are alive will go together with them to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? What a day that will be if you are prepared to meet the Lord. If you're not prepared... That's, to me, that's not even an option. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to make sure I've aligned my life up with the Word of God. I've been born again. And I've got that settled long before that rapture ever, and the second coming ever happens. I'm not going to wait till I hear the trumpet sound and say, I probably ought to get ready. No, no, no. Don't want to do that. You want to make sure you're ready for that. What happened to the the uh, five foolish virgins in uh, Matthew chapter 24. they knew the bridegroom was coming and they had gone they let the oil go out of their lamps and while they were gone while they were gone the bridegroom came didn't he? They weren't prepared so we've got to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to have these conversations. Revelation gives many accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ. the The book of Revelation is really, I I heard somebody talk the other day and they said, the book of Revelation is the hardest book in the Bible to understand. It's really not. It's really not. There are some books that are harder for me to comprehend, much harder than the book of Revelation. You start going through the book of Romans and some different things where it talks about um, being led by the Spirit and some different things, and some of those things I scratch my head over. I know what it's talking about, but some of the things I can't figure it out. The book of Revelation is really pretty easy to understand. It's really a book about the revealing of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1, verse 1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. The word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means the revealing or the unveiling. So the entire book of Revelation is devoted to the dramatizing and telling the story of how the second coming is going to happen. If there isn't going to be a second coming, we really wouldn't even need the book of Revelation. You ever think about that? So if, you're, if a, somebody in, the, in your, uh, 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 a Sunday school class, a younger generation, or, or somebody your age, my age, I'm 54, somebody my age, that comes to you and says, oh yeah, don't talk to me about that second coming. I've heard about that since I've been a kid and I I don't, you know, that's probably never going to happen. Whoa, 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 hold on. Do you believe in the Word of God? Well, yeah. Well, this is all through the Word of God. And so that's why we're talking about it today because there are more and more people that are speculating whether this event will ever happen. The second coming is the crowning moment of all of human history. Jesus Christ will return to the earth to put down the thrones of men and establish the long-promised kingdom of God. Revelation tells several accounts of Christ's second coming, but from different angles. Some people would say, well, the second coming of Jesus Christ only happens once in the book of Revelation. No, no. The the, the second coming of Jesus Christ only happens once in the near future, but it's told about many times from different perspectives all throughout the book of Revelation. Different sets of events that would lead up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's told about over and over and over. The first account is mentioned in the sixth seal, found in Revelation 6, 12 through 13. John said, John was being, a, being given visions of future events. He said, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. <clears throat> the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The, the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven, the stars fell from heaven to the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind." So there are a total of seven seals. This is part of the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. The sixth seal refer, uh, It reveals Jesus' second coming as happening with a great earthquake. The, the, the um, sun turning black, the moon becoming his blood, the stars falling from heaven. But if you remember the prophet Joel prophesied that this would occur back in Joel chapter 2 verse 31. Joel said, the sun will be turned, uh, turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. It's the same exact event. Joel mentions it again in chapter 3, verse 15. He said, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Same exact event. Now get this, Jesus told the same exact event in Matthew 24, 29. He said, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, powers of heaven shall be shaken. All of these are the exact same event. Then we get to Revelation 6 verse 14 through 16 and it continues by saying, and the heavens departed as if it were a scroll rolled together and every mountain and island was moved out of their places and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men, chief captains, mighty men, every bondman, every free man, they hid themselves in the den and in the rocks uh, of the mountains and they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that's sitting on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now this is the wrath of the Lamb and it's all the way over here in Revelation chapter 6. And though it is going to be the most wonderful time for God's people who are caught up in the air to meet him, it's going to be a terrible time for those who chose to live in rebellion and refu- refuse to give their lives to God or to believe and obey the gospel. And I, 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 I am horrified to say that I have presented the gospel to people through the years. And I've had people get up and walk out of Bible studies and all kinds of things, saying, I don't believe any of that stuff, don't want anything to do with it, I'm going to live my own life, walk out. And I've never heard from them again. Imagine the time of the rapture when something like that happens and somebody had walked out or had been presented with the gospel, maybe at work you were having a conversation or something, somebody said, nah, I don't want nothing to do with that, I don't have any dealings with God, I'm doing my own thing imagine that you say that won't happen don't you kid yourself because I've had people do that to me when I've tried to present them with the gospel of the kingdom of God and teach them about biblical foundational principles and how to prepare themselves and I've had people I have had physical people to get up and walk out of my Bible studies hopefully I planted a seed in them and they when some of these end time events start to occur they'll come back but, wow, the last thing you want to do is reject the gospel of the kingdom of God and reject the, the biblical principles and godly biblical principles and foundations of things that can get you to heaven. You know, we often emphasize the mercy of God and the love of God but we, we fail to preach, up, and God is mercy and God is love, believe me. He will go to the nth degree to save a person. But God will not tie your hands behind your back and make you bow down and pray and serve Him and this is how it's going to be. God's not going to do that. God said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. It is a choice on your part. If somebody goes to hell, let's talk about hell today. If somebody goes to hell, it is going to be because of the choices that they made. It's not God's fault. It will be on you. It'll be choices that you made. And you say, wow Dave, I, I'm, you're scaring me. Oh, I, I understand that. That's why a lot of pastors won't talk about hell anymore in their churches. Because they're afraid of scaring somebody, and, you know. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus Christ preached and taught more about hell than any other preacher or teacher in the Bible why did he do that because he knew it was the most horrific place you nobody can even wrap their mind around going to a place of eternal torment that's never going to end I don't want to be able to wrap my mind around that but I tell you what I don't wanna go I believe there's a place called hell and I absolutely do not want to go there and I don't want anybody listening to us to go either and so there are times when we need to bring it up. You know that we don't talk about that very much on the program, but there are times it's in the Bible, and we have to talk about it. So we, we often, and I always talk about the mercy and the love of God. The, your mercy endureth forever. God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. I'm all about that, love and mercy. But many times we fail to preach about God's judgment. Those who reject Christ will receive the wrath of God before this is all over with and the judgments. And the Bible says in Revelation 16 when God's pouring out his judgments that the angels will look at him and say, you are justified in doing this. And so, folks, we've got to talk about these things. You say, well, these are weighty matters. They are the weightiest matters because we're talking eternal consequence here, and we gotta make sure that these younger generations and people that are saying, ah, he's never going to come back, oh yes he is, just before very long.
2: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon-coming king out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner.
0: Revelation chapter 6, verse 17. I wanted to try to finish this. It says that for the great day of God's wrath is come. Now remember, I'm clear over here in Revelation chapter 6. For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? It will be those individuals that have been born again. People are going to run and hide in the rocks and mountains and cry for them to fall upon them to hide them from the wrath of God, but it's not going to work. The opening of the seventh seal concludes the, the, um, the, the, uh, set the seven seals and it's the, the first round of the unveiling of Jesus Christ and that's over because there's a parenthetical chapter. Revelation 7 is the revival chapter, the 144,000 and the multitude no man can number. Se- but um, the seventh seal jumped to chapter Revelation um, chapter 8, verse 1. It says, and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. Many people have wondered, well, what is that 30 minutes of silence in heaven? What could that be? Well, it is our opinion here at End Time Ministries that this is all of heaven really falling silent as they watch in awe the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ as it is caught up to meet Jesus in the air and he descends from heaven. The last verse of the seventh seal, that's Revelation 8, 5. And it says, And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth, and there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquake. You'll see that many times in the book of Revelation. Lightning, thunderings, earthquake. And so the seventh, um, that's the end of the seals, then we jump into the second account or the second unveiling of Jesus Christ, which is the trumpets. The seventh trumpet. I won't go through all of them today, but the seventh trumpet ends. That's the account of the Lord's return, and it's found in Revelation 11:15,, 15, 15 through 17. It's the second account of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. Remember. The book of Revelation is the unveiling or the revealing of Jesus Christ. So it's told over and over and over and over. I don't think I'm going to have time to get to all of them today, but consider the sixth and seventh seal is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon. Thy wrath is come, his wrath is poured out at the battle of Armageddon. So the sixth and seventh seal is the second coming battle of Armageddon. The seventh trumpet is the second coming battle of Armageddon. The... Simultaneous harvest in Revelation 14 is the second coming, the battle of Armageddon. There's three times and the fourth time is Revelation chapter 16 at the seventh vial and then it ends up over in 19 because 17 and 18 again are parenthetical chapters. They're explanatory chapters that are wedged in between this, the fourth story which is Revelation 16 into 19. And that's how this thing is structured. It really becomes pretty easy to understand once you understand the divisions of the book of Revelation and the segmentation. So when we come to the seventh trumpet in Revelation eleven fifteen 15-17, the Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were, given, uh, there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, they fell upon their faces and worshipped God and said, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken thee to thy great power and hast reigned. So the seventh trumpet account is of, of the second coming is simply the transition from human government the governments of this world to the, the promised kingdom of God. And from that point on, God re- will reign forever and ever. A thousand years on the earth and then beyond the great white right throne of judgment out into eternity. I don't know what's out there, but I will be with Jesus Christ letting him show me what's out there. Because he ex- already exists forever ahead of us. He's eternal. So I want him to show me... The Bible says world without end. I don't know what's out there, but I want him to show me. And I'm going to be with him during that time. If I, I don't care, folks, if I have to stand on my head out here in the parking lot, whatever the Bible says to do, I'm going to do. And because I want to go to heaven. And so, but it's a choice that you make. You can't just live however you want. And then, well, I know that God's merciful and he'll take he'll somehow make a way for me to go. That's not scriptural. Jesus said, except a man is born again, he cannot enter or even see the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Okay? If you need to know how to be born again, I'm, I'm going to go through some more second coming stuff call 1-800-363-8463 ask for the brochure what do you mean born again go to our website and type in the search bar what do you mean born again and the, the documents will come up goes through all the scriptures if you need to do something get a hold of us and we can help you facilitate that okay you say but I'm in Washington and you guys are in Dallas I understand that I can find a church to help you do whatever you need to do okay now and I've even had some people travel to Dallas to, whether, to repent or be baptized or receive the Holy Ghost or whatever. I, we actually have that quite often. People coming to Dallas. Um, and so anyway, we'll, we'll, that's a conversation for another day. Second coming. The event is also referred to in Daniel 7, 9. Uh, Revelation 11, where it talks about the kingdoms of this world are become the kings of our Lord and of His Christ. It's the same thing back in Daniel 7 9. Well, Daniel said, I beheld till the thrones of these nations were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. It's the exact same prophecy. Daniel saw the casting down of the thrones of human governments and God sitting on his throne. It's the, it is the realization of the prayer many have prayed Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth. His kingdom is coming and it will be established at the second coming of Jesus Christ. You say, man Dave, uh, you're pretty emphatic, you believe this stuff. Oh, you, you better believe I do. You say, why are you so set in your ways? Why do you believe this no matter what? Because I have seen all of the prophecies that have happened up to this point, and every single one, all the messianic prophecies about Jesus' first coming, Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of them. All of the prophecies concerning his second coming up to this point we've done timelines before of every all of them. Every single one has come to pass in intricate detail. So for me to say, well the few that are left, I don't know if they're going to happen or not. That's insanity. These things are going to happen. We're living through many of them. World government, world religion, precursors of the mark of the beast. They're uh, working on getting an Israeli-Palestinian peace situation whether it's the Abraham Accords that lead to that or whatever many things we're watching all of this stuff happening right before our very eyes in the news so for me to say well one of the, the probably the biggest event in all of humanity the second coming of Jesus Christ when he establishes his kingdom here on the earth maybe you know maybe that's all pie in the sky and an old wives tale and that's not gonna happen there's no way I would say that this stuff is going to happen and we want you I want to be prepared I want my wife I want my kids my my grandkids my daughter Holly just have my third granddaughter this morning at about six o'clock Ellery Sage Brewer I'm announcing it to everybody she is beautiful capital B I want her to know about the second coming of Jesus Christ and prepare her for that soon coming. I promise you she will know. Well, we go back to, uh, where were we at? Uh, second, uh, seventh, Revelation 11. Revelation 18 goes on to say, and the nations at this time were angry. So we talked about his second coming. Kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And then in verse 18, it says, and the nations were angry and thy wrath is come. You say, well, hold on a minute. The wrath, The Bible says His wrath had come back in Revelation 6. Now, here in Revelation 11, 18, it says His wrath has come. Does His wrath happen twice in the near future? No. These are different accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon, told over and over and over in the book of Revelation. It's the unveiling or the revealing of Jesus Christ. Got it? Bible says, in the time of the dead, his wrath has come, the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto the servants and the prophets, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Folks, you've got to be born again. you got to be born again. If you want him to come with a reward for you, which is eternal life, then you've got to be born again. The anger... Their their anger, the people's anger, will cause the nations to invade Israel at Armageddon. And their attempt to destroy Israel will make God angry at their rebellion. And though it's going to be a time of God's great wrath, it will also be a time when the prophets and the saints are given their reward. Eternal life is my reward. Being with Jesus Christ, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a my confidant, My Lord, my God, my Savior, my best friend, the one who died for me. I am going to get to spend eternity with him. There's no better reward than that. You say, well, I I thought he might be bringing money. No. We're going to be, money's going to mean zero at that point. Only Jesus. That's who we're looking to. Revelation 11:19, 19, it concludes this account when it says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in heaven the temple of the Ark of the Testament, and there were, again, remember in Revelation 8, it said there were lightnings, thunderings, and earthquakes? Well, right here, in Revelation 11, it says that we saw the, the um, we seen his temple of the Ark of the Testament, and there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, and an earthquake again, and great hail. It's a, it's the second account in the book of Revelation. And then, you know, so I, it it's very important today. It was very important to me going through some different... I went through I don't know how many articles today. And I saw some articles where people were saying, ah, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Now, you can make a mistake on in the wrong lottery number, or, you know, buy the wrong piece of property, buy a lemon of a car. There's some mistakes you can make. That's part of life. But there's one mistake you absolutely cannot make, and that's missing the rapture. You can't, That's that, that would be of eternal consequence. You cannot miss the rapture. And so... We wanna help you with that. Let us help you find a good Bible-believing church, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church to be in and a part of throughout the end time. It's, it's very, it's of utmost importance. You need to be amongst a group of like-minded believers to give you strength and encouragement and to help you. If you're born again, you're part of the body of Christ, right? And I wanna make sure that I'm with the body of Christ because that is who God is coming back to rapture. So we're talking about the second coming here. It's going to happen. Don't pay attention to anybody that says, oh, that's not going to happen. That's a, that's a wives' tale. Oh, no, it's not. It will happen in the very near future. There are many more scriptures about it. Seek and you shall find. God bless.